Welcome to episode number 53 of the Fearless Presentations podcast, the fastest, easiest way to eliminate public speaking fear. Absolutely eliminate public speaking fear. This podcast is the answer. Here's the guy who literally wrote the book on fearless presentations, Doug Stannard. Hello and welcome to the Fearless Presentations podcast brought to you by the Leaders Institute and fearlesspresentations.com. I'm your host, Doug Stannard president of the Leaders Institute, and this is the podcast that helps people just like you get rid of public speaking fear and increase your success by increasing your confidence when you communicate. This is episode number 53, and this is part three of a five-part series on presentation styles. In this episode, I talk about the energetic presentation style. So if you give or if you want to give more motivational types of speeches, then this podcast will give you some great tips. I spend most of the podcast talking about the strengths and weaknesses of this style, but in the last few minutes, I'm going to give you a tip, a great tip that will help you deliver presentations that are more fun and more interesting for your audiences. So hang hang in for that. The podcast is brought to you by fearlesspresentations.com. And and by the way, if you have questions or comments, you can always visit the show notes on fearlesspresentations.com. Just type energetic presentation style into the search bar on the page if you don't have access to the podcast description. But on the if you ha- if you're listening to us on iTunes and you and you have the description there, there's typically a link that will point you right back to that to the show note page. On each one of the podcast note pages, by the way, we give a ton of additional details about the the subjects that I'm covering. So um, and there's almost and there's always an area at the bottom of the page for comments and questions and stuff like that. You can also tweet me at FP class at FP class FP for fearless presentations. And then just the word class, FP class, no no spaces or anything. Uh, so you can tweet me uh, with that handle. Also, check out Fearless Pre- the Fearless Presentations channel on YouTube. Um, that, this is a this is a, a channel that we just started a few months ago. We we've had the Leaders Institute channel up for years and years and years, but we. We just kind of spun off and created a brand new channel just for the presentation skill stuff. So everything, a lot of the stuff that we're covering here on the podcast, you can see the videos of some of those tips that we're giving, as well as some additional content that you don't get anywhere else. So make sure and look at our YouTube channel and make sure and subscribe to it, like it, comment on it. All that stuff really helps us spread the word a little bit more. Uh, we have we have a number of different classes coming up in the rest of the third quarter of 2018. If you're listening to this podcast sometime around the time that we created it, then um, the classes that I'm going to list here are, are still have space in them. Uh, if you're listening sometime in the in the very distant future, just go to fearlesspresentations.com and, and click the seminar schedule, and you'll find a, an, a list of all of the different classes that are coming up in the time that you're listening to us. Uh, let me pull up the schedule myself here because I, I, I actually had this kind of typed out in my notes so that I could deliver it to you. And we've had a number of classes that have sold out. So it looks like the class that is coming up this week in Dallas is sold out. No more seats in that one. And the class in Los Angeles next week is also sold out. But we still have a few seats in Portland coming up on October 4th and 5th. We have a few seats left. I think we have one or two maybe left in Austin on the 4th and 5th. Uh, Cincinnati is coming up in, in October as well. Then we've got Boston and Chicago We've got Miami, Vienna, 
uh, Vienna, Austria, uh, Philadelphia, Denver, Minneapolis, Milwaukee, Charlotte, uh, San Francisco, Baltimore, Houston, Las Vegas, and then the last part of November, we've got Dublin and London. Got more classes, Tampa, Phoenix, and, and other places that we only do about every four months or so, five months. So so if, you, if you're if you interested in, in seats in any of those classes, make sure and go to fearlesspresentations.com because it looks like, um, because of the podcast and the number of people that are listening to us, it looks like we're filling up most of the classes now. We'll probably start adding a few more on if we, if we can, if we have enough instructors to be able to teach them. But, you know, right now, the seats are there on a limited basis. So if you if you don't get if you're not one of the first ten people to register and pay for the class, then then uh, you have to wait for the next one. So, uh, but hopefully you'll be a part of the fearless presentations classes. They're very they're fabulous. Uh, the people that go to these classes just absolutely rave about how much they learn in such a short period of time, and you you really become a part of a, a real elite group of speakers, folks that can really accomplish some, some great things in a very short period of time. So so um, so uh, if you're interested in the Fearless Presentations class, make sure and go to fearlesspresentations.com. All right, let's get on with this week's podcast. So a couple of weeks ago, we talked about the four main presentation styles. And basically, uh, I don't know if I covered this on that session, but the way that we came up with those four presentation styles were we were looking at personality temperaments, obviously, which is what we talked about on that session. But the the main thing that got us interested in, in looking at this was folks would come to our classes and they would say, you know, my boss is really good at presenting, but his style is a little bit different from mine or my style is a little bit different from hers, that kind of thing, right? And so we were saying, well, what exactly are the presentation styles? And when we started doing a lot more coaching, especially one-on-one coaching, we started figuring out that that certain people had certain strengths in conveying communication in, in a certain way. And so we wanted to kind of categorize that. And so we came up with the four main personality, the, the presentation styles anyway, based on the personality temperaments that that um, that have been around for you know 2,300 plus years or so. So, um, so a couple of weeks ago we focused on an overview to those four presentation styles, and then last week we picked one of them, the analytical presentation style. That's also the style of presentation when people say, "Well, that's a technical presentation. That's a technical talk." Most likely, when they say it's a technical talk. It's basically a talk using the strengths of the analytical style. And um, in, in this presentation or in this podcast, we're going to talk more about the energetic presentation style, which is really, really great for motivational talks, for inspirational talks. For teaching, for a lot of day, it's high energy. It's fun, so it makes uh, people who use this style typically make their training programs fun and interesting. So they typically get really, really good results. So just as a as a review, we talked about the energetic style as being direct and emotional. So what we mean by direct again is that the this presentation style is more spontaneous, more fast to take action. By emotional, we mean that it's more people oriented. It's 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 especially concentrating on the um, the feelings of the audience, the the people, how the people in the audience are going to react to this content. So, um, so, so with all that being said, um, just so you know, we'll, we'll cover the remaining two, the um, the authoritative and the empathetic, in the next uh, in the next two sessions. But this one, if you listen to last week's session on the analytical presentation style, you're going to notice that the presentation, the analytical presentation style, and the 
energetic presentation style are two exact polar opposites. So the strength of the analytical is actually going to be the weakness of the energetic. And the strengths of the energetic is actually going to be the weakness of the analytical. And interestingly, the people who are in the audience that are of the opposite presentation style tend to love the opposite style from what they do. And it's kind of interesting that way. It, it tends to happen because the the uh, the analytical person that's sitting in the audience, they say, oh, my, that's so, so such high energy that she has. I wish I could do that. And the person who is is the energetic presentation style, when they see somebody who's more analytical, they go, oh, my gosh, that's this so good content. There's so much good content here. So so it's really we see the, the weaknesses of our own strength in the strengths of the other the other presenter. So let's kind of talk about the strengths and weaknesses first, and I'll give you some tips on how to to um, make your presentations even better if you are an energetic style of presenter. Now, if you are not this particular style, you can still take the tips that I'm giving this person and kind of incorporate the, them as your own. If you're able to take the the tips and the strengths from all four of the presentation styles that we're going to deliver. And if you get really good at, at, um, at implementing things from each one of the styles, you're going to be much more relatable. So, so don't think that just, okay, this is not my presentation style, so I can't really gain a lot of benefit from it. You'll get great benefit out of the, the content no matter what. So the strengths of the energetic presentation style. Tip number one and the, the biggest strength is it's the the energy, the enthusiasm that this particular um, style, the, the, this delivery style has, uh, that energy, that enthusiasm. Out of all the presentation styles, the people who have this as their natural delivery style, they're often seen by others as being quote-unquote natural speakers. And people always ask me, when I explain that to them the four different styles, and, and, and especially when I explain it based on the temperaments that people have, folks will kind of ask me, which of the, the temperaments are the ones that are kind of natural public speakers? And there really isn't one that is naturally gifted at public speaking. Each one of the, the, the styles and each one of the, the temperaments has their own strengths and then equal opposite weaknesses. And so typically the, 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 present, the person who gets training to help maximize their strengths and minimize their weaknesses are typically going to be uh, do a whole lot better than somebody that has absolutely no training. Now, with all that being said, the the energetic presentation style person is seen most often seen by others as being a natural speaker because their energy and their enthusiasm they make everything fun and a lot of times folks in the audience are going god man i wish i could do that so even though they may not feel as comfortable presenting if they're nervous or something like that when other people see them speak speak they often see them as being very good at speaking in front of a group um, the, the, this presenter will deliver, you know, really quick, fast-paced speeches, so they make make it interesting, and it keeps the audience engaged. So that's one of the that's just the main strength that they have is their energy and enthusiasm. The second thing that that makes their presentations more interesting is that they're fun. <laughs> so since presenters with this natural style are often very creative, they they like to use that creativity to make their their delivery really fun and interesting. They, they'll a lot of times they'll create um, interesting props or visuals to go along with the presentation, and a lot of times they have a flair for the dramatic as well. So they'll often want to add in content that is totally unique. They want to do something totally different from every other presenter that's ever spoken on that topic. So it makes they, uh, they it makes them fun to to not only watch and listen to, but to be a part of the the audience as well. 
And one, and by the way, that leads us to the third thing that is their real strength is that this presentation style is very interactive. So this, the energetic speaker, they love to get the audience involved in the presentation. So they'll often, you know, prefer a discussion with their audience versus a lecture. It's very, although they can do the, the one way, Hey, I'm just going to give you a bunch of, of information. They would much prefer the presentation to be more interactive, to be more of a, a question and answer session, or for them to ask questions of the audience or do some activities or something that gets the audience involved so that the audience can retain it. And, that, and that's one of the reasons why the energetic style typically makes very good trainers, especially corporate trainers, folks that are that are, are um, uh, on the corporate level that are, that are hired to come in and do training for adults. They tend to do really, really well if they're energetic speakers. So let's talk about the weaknesses. So each one of these strengths, or each one of each one of these uh, styles, has their their strength, and then also an equal and opposite kind of weakness. So, with the with the energy and the enthusiasm and the and and making it fun and interactive, the big weakness that this presentation style will have is that they tend to be a little vague. <laughs> so, the in fact, it's really it's the biggest weakness that the the energetic speaker has is that they. They have that high energy, but they're they kind of they're it's what they're what I call high on energy but low on details. So low on the details that they're they're nat when they they naturally design their presentations, you know, based on their their strengths. They're what I call it's it's like a, a fifty thousand foot presentation. So they're at a really high altitude. They're just glossing over the surface of a lot of different content. So they'll tend to cover a lot of, of bullet points, but they'll do it really quickly and at a real high level. And as a result, there's not a lot of, of content in it. There's not a lot of practical use for the for the stuff that they're presenting on. Now obviously that, that that's the natural strength or natural um, um, way that a, that the energetic speaker will will tend to work as they get more training, as they get more practice, as they get more feedback, they'll tend to start to add in more of those those details, um, and that's one of the reasons why a lot of times folks will come to a, a training class like the Fearless Presentations class or or some other presentation class that's out there is because it helps them minimize these these uh, weaknesses so that they can rely on that strength, that energy, especially. Now you'll often find a lot of motivational speakers. That use this particular technique. They that, that are they're high energy. Um, the the late Chris Farley uh, from Saturday Night Live. He was a, a comedian back in the in the '90s um, who passed away. He was um, he he had this caricature of a motivational speaker. The, the motivational speaker's name was Matt Foley, and Matt Foley was really high energy, not a whole lot of content, and it was most known for a, a skit that he did years ago where. Um, where he's he um, he's down on his luck, and so he's he's reduced to giving motivational speeches at people's houses, and so he's going in to do a motivational speech for for the kids and teach them how to be more successful, and and eventually it comes out that he's you know he's not really that successful. He's actually living in a van down by the river. It's hilarious. It's a fantastic skit. But the reason why it's so funny is because it's taking that truth of. The motivational speaker, that energetic speaker, being vague and really exaggerating it to a to a high level, and that's what really makes it funny. So, so don't be the motivational speaker. Be, be more of a add some value to your presentation by going into a little bit more detail. And I'll show you how to do that a little bit later in the in the podcast. So, um, the the second big weakness that the energetic speaker will have is that they'll often be seen by others as being kind of scattered. The energetic speaker will often deliver their presentation 
design it anyway. They'll design their presentation by making just a list of everything that they know about the topic. Hey, I got this huge topic. I'm just going to outline everything I know about the topic. And then they'll try to fit all that into the, the presentation. And the only way they can do that is just to kind of do like what I was saying before. They just gloss over the surface of every single bullet point. So instead of limiting their presentation to five really clear, understandable thought-provoking bullet points, they'll tend to have, you know, 50 or 60 or 70 or 100 bullet points. They might have 5, 6, 7, 10, 15 on a, on a, on a slide and then have 20 or 30 slides in a slide deck or more. So they're, they're basically just glossing over the, the surface. And as a result, by, um, by delivering their presentation that way, it can often be kind of scattered. There's no real flow. There's, there, there's, it's not where one of the bullet points builds upon the other. So when it's delivered, it's like a it's like a shotgun approach. You know, the the, the pebbles are flying everywhere. So um, and one of the other things that you'll see that the energetic presentation style will will have a challenge with is that they'll often be seen by others as having a propensity to kind of rabbit chase. And, and so they'll, they'll begin to cover really unimportant information or unimportant content or content that's not necessarily important to the topic that they're presenting. And then spend way too much time on that versus covering something that's more interesting or more relevant to the, to the topic. So, so anyway, what happens is when somebody delivers a presentation like that, either with tons of bullet points or one where they were kind of rabbit chasing and didn't cover the, the main content as well as that what they wanted to, what happens is the audience will kind of leave that presentation going, what the heck was that all about? Or what was the point of that? It was fun. It was interesting. But what was the point? Um, so a, a third challenge that the the energetic speaker can sometimes have is that they'll use the technique that I call it's a mystery. <laughs> since, the, since this presenter loves to make their presentation interactive, sometimes they'll use questions as their bullet points. So instead of, instead of giving a, a real clear, understandable bullet point, they'll put questions down. Um, like uh, I try to think of one off the top of my head now that I've seen in the past. Um, um, how we increased revenue last month. Okay, we're great. Uh, instead of telling me that, I mean, instead of asking me that, just tell me that. Tell me what we did to increase revenue, and, and uh, because if you if you're asking it in a question format, it's going to take away a lot of the retention that people have. So, and I'll kind of give you an example of this. So. The, if um, when when we do repetition of the things that are on our slide, for instance, if 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 what's on the slide is a, is a question, we might say that question sometimes two or three times in the presentation as we're delivering it. We'll we'll ask the question and then we'll reinforce by asking the question again. So basically, what's happening is now we're reinforcing the question. We're not reinforcing the answer. So. At the end of the presentation, folks will actually, a lot of times, they'll remember the question without ever remembering the actual answers that we gave in that in that presentation. So if we're actually going to deliver a really solid presentation and we, and we have a provable statement as the bullet point, then we'll likely read that bullet point as an introduction. And then after we've read the bullet point, we're going to give some details or data or some content that proves that that bullet point is true. And then a lot of times we'll kind of reinforce it by kind of restating it one more time. So they've heard that particular bullet point at least three times and sometimes more as we as we deliver it. So it's a whole lot easier to get people to remember the content if we're giving them statements versus a question. And one of the things that the energetic presenter will do quite often is they want it to be a mystery. They want to kind of roll it out so that so that it's um, 
it's it, to make it more fun and interesting for the for the audience, but it it can actually harm the retention. So be careful about that. It it it, it can be used in some situations, but in most cases, it's going to have a negative effect versus a positive effect. And then the final thing that was the the kind of limitation that the enthusiastic presenter will have is that they will sometimes use what I call unpurposeful gestures. So since these presenters have a ton of energy, and by the way, I do this as well. I mean, even though I'm not uh, one of these energetic speakers, I'm I'm more of an authoritative speaker. Uh, I have a lot in common with this particular personality temperament or with this particular style. And so you'll see me do it a lot, especially when you see me in person. You'll see me, I, you know, I'm using big gestures. I'm using my hand to communicate, hands to communicate, and all that kind of stuff. And that's a part of my natural presentation style. So I have to really work on making sure that the gestures that I'm using are actually purposeful. There are things that are going to help people understand the content that I'm, that I'm doing a whole lot better. Um, the, so basically, that what, what will tend to happen if this this natural energy is kind of untamed, it will result in a lot of just strange gestures that don't really correspond to the content. Or another thing that will sometimes happen is the speaker will kind of start pacing around. And um, the, so both of those things can be kind of a distraction. So either pacing around the room or pacing on stage or the um, or giving gestures that, that just don't fit what they're saying. Uh, can be a kind of a distraction for folks. So an example of this is where, let's say the presenter is talking about two specific things that are very different, but then uses the same hand gestures for both. So they could say some, something like, um, we had a really big one, and then we had a teeny tiny one. <laughs> and then they use the same hand gestures for both of those. And so people are like, well, which one's the big one and which one's the teeny tiny one? So, so, um, so it's real easy to kind of correct that, by the way, is as anytime, especially if you're using those two different extremes, you know, you can use your gestures for the, you know, really wide, big gestures for the big one and then a little teeny tiny gesture for a, for the tiny one. So, but just by doing those little things, it can really help a lot. So, okay, so five things that the energetic presenter can do to deliver a much better presentation. Number one, Focus on what the audience wants, not what you want to tell them. So before you design any, do any design work anyway on a, on your presentation, start by asking yourself a few questions. The first question you want to ask yourself is, what result is the audience really looking for from this presentation? Or what exactly is the, is the why exactly is this speech being given? You know, what's the purpose of this speech? And if I totally delivered this presentation flawlessly, what would the audience walk away with? What would be the thing that would make this worth the audience's time? So if you can get some really clear, understandable answers to any of those three questions, you're probably going to have a pretty good topic. Um, by the way, the answer to, to, the, to, to absolutely none of these questions is, well, everything I know about the subject, which is what most energetic presenters will do. But it's also what the most analytical presenters do. It's one of the things that they do have in common. But it's a whole lot more effective if you dig a little deeper into the answers to those questions before you start writing the speech. So, for instance, if I'm giving a, a speech to entrepreneurs about how to use marketing to make more sales, then and if I ask myself those those questions before those those questions like well you know what are, what is my audience really looking for or why exactly is this speech being given or if I deliver this flawlessly what would they walk away with it, it if I answer if my answer to that question it might be something like 
more customers. But that's pretty vague. You know, that, that answer, it's just too broad. It doesn't really, it's just going to lead to more questions. So if the answer, if my answer to that question is more customers, then, then the next question is going to be, well, what kind of customers? And where would those customers come from? And what kind of marketing is going to work best to attract those types of customers? So you see, if the topic is too broad, what you're going to end up with is more questions versus answers. So it might be better to really make that that presentation topic or the result that you're expecting or that the audience is expecting to kind of think a little bit more detail about that and say something like, well, okay, so these audience members, a lot of times they're not going to have a huge advertising budget. So if I were to show them how to use a weekly blog to attract uh, their their specific targeted customers that might be helpful for them. So see how if I target that that topic, if I target the result that 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 the audience might be looking for, make it a little bit more focused. It, then it's going to help me design a much better presentation than just giving a marketing topic on how to attract any customer in any industry using any medium, which is going to be really really hard. It's going to be haphazard and scattered. So so focus on what. Your, this particular audience that you're delivering this presentation to needs and then design the presentation with tangible results that will help them achieve that. So the second thing that, that the energetic presenter can really do to really help is to use complete and provable sentences as your bullet point. This is the hardest thing for the energetic, energetic speaker to do. They want to really condense down their bullets to just like one word or two words. And I got to tell you, that can cause some really big challenges. The first thing is that if you have a bunch of those, as you start, if you, when you're under pressure and you're delivering this presentation to a number of people, you're going to get to one of those bullet points that just has one or two words and you're going to go, holy crap, I forgot what I was going to say about that. So, so it's a whole lot easier to deliver your presentations if you use a complete sentence or a complete statement for your bullet point. And you want to make that statement what I call provable, meaning that it's a statement that I can tell the audience and then I can back up that statement to prove that that thing is true. So um, I, I, I give you an example of, of how this, this can backfire on you if you don't use it, right? So I had a management coach that I hired. Uh, this was back really early in the, in the, um, in the development of the Leaders Institute. And um, and this so this would have been I don't know maybe 2003 maybe 2004 somewhere around the, in that time frame anyway. And um, when when I hired this guy, he shared with one of the reasons why I hired him anyway is because he shared with me a number of really truly remarkable results with management training with his management course. So he had developed this management course, and we were doing leadership, which is. You know, it's more soft skill stuff. The management stuff that he was teaching was more uh, tangible. It was specific things that a manager can do to help um, you know, to help the flow of work and, and within organizations. And so I thought, man, that that would be a great addition. It's a it's a great add on. It, it doesn't really compete with what we're already doing, and and it's something that my customers, the, the people that have already bought our leadership courses, would would really love. So I was totally excited about having this guy come on board. And so we started right away to to promote this new manager management course, this new management seminar to our clients. And within a couple months, we had a client that, that we'd already worked with for you know a number of times that liked our style and liked our presentations. So they, they hired us to do the management class. And so it was a couple months away. You know, They booked it well in advance. So about a month or so before we were going to deliver this presentation, I, I 
I sent an email to this instructor saying, hey, by the way, can you send me over the uh, the content for the manual and I'll, I'll get one printed? You know, because um, apparently what he was using in the past was he would just use a three-ring binder with some, some pages that he printed off. It wasn't really professionally bound, and so we wanted to get it professionally bound, make it look real nice because these people were paying a pretty tidy sum of money to have us come out and teach this class. And so he's, when he sent it to me, though, he sent me his manual. I was I, I just assumed I was missing something because it was... The participation guide that he had, that he'd sent to me, it, I, I mean, when I when I opened it up or when I opened up the, the file anyway, I almost fainted because I was like, uh, something is not right here. So his workbook had, it basically had about 20 pages in it. And it, at the top of every one of the, the 20 pages, every single one of them, it just had two or three words as the heading and then blank white space underneath it. So it was basically it was a notebook. I mean it was it was a it was a it was there was no content in it, none. And we had just charged this client, like I said, a pretty handy sum to to come out and deliver a class. So I'm starting to get really, really nervous. So I call up the instructor and I say, Hey, uh, but I mean what exactly is this? Is my copy defective or something here? And, uh, and um, you know, I, I just assumed that some of the stuff that I was supposed to have gotten in the document it was uh, was had been deleted or something. But he said, no, no, I'm, I never really know what the course is going, you know, how the course is going to run once I start. He said, because I'm, I'm doing a lot of consulting while I'm there. So I like to leave the participants room to make notes. You know, and by the way, all the contents in my head, and that just made me more nervous. I'm freaking out now, because I'd already promised this client that that we're they were going to get a great program, and we've already sent out the invoice, and I would be totally embarrassed to show up with a workbook of just 20 blank pages. So, so basically, me and this instructor got together. He actually lived here in the city that that I live in, Fort Worth, and and I got together and I had him deliver his content to me as if I was the the class member and by the way it was pretty good stuff it was it was as good as what he said um, and so we spent I, I think probably three or four days really kind of creating some very specific and complete and provable sentences as the headers at the top of the pages and then after we did that, it was much easier now to, to, to with those really well-developed sentences, those really well-developed statements, to go back and put some support, just a little bit of support underneath each one. And, and because he liked that style of letting people take a lot of notes, we left about half the page on and uh, of each one of the pages with, where folks could kind of take notes. So it was the the really nice provable statement at the top, a little bit of content, and then some some place for them to take notes. And 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 by the way, we delivered the the uh, management class. It went really really well. Got great feedback. Um, people loved it. And 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 as a result of me kind of seeing it, we were able to kind of redesign that and make it even better. And we did it. For about you know five or six years or so, we were we we taught that particular um, uh, management class to hundreds of, of different clients, and and it worked really really well. So I give you an example of like one of the, one of the original titles that he had. And I, it's been years ago, so I don't remember the exact original title. But let's say that his uh, one of the uh, let's say the original title that he had at the top of the page was just the word "interview process." Right, so pretty vague. Doesn't really say what we're going to be talking about with the interview process, and tell what um, he wants us to learn or what kind of tips on conducting one of these or whether. 
this is a tip for the manager to conduct an interview process or for the person who's being interviewed to do the interview process. So, uh, the, so very vague, not real easy for us to understand from just those two words exactly what the content was going to be. And and so if he had if he had um, designed a slideshow based on that, there's a good chance that he probably just would have put the words interview process at the top of a slide, and that's it. There probably wouldn't be anything else on that slide, right? So what we changed it to, though, was we made it a little bit more specific by focusing on je- on the things that were most important to conducting an interview with a, with a um, uh, a new potential employee. And so um, we ha- we created this thing called a positions results description, which is a document that really outlines what result that we're expecting from each position within our company. A very effective way to manage our people. And if we have that document and we use that as a guide, it's going to help us during that interview process. So the statement that we put at the top of, the, of that particular page is we've replaced the word interview process with a detailed positions result description can, can uh, be used as a guide to help you ask the right questions during the interview process. So very tangible, very easy to prove. So, so that first iteration was very vague and nebulous. It's a very vague and nebulous phrase, so it can mean just about anything. The second one, though, is more pointed. It's it's also more provable. I, I can't prove that anything related to the interview process is true because it doesn't really tell me anything about that process. However, if I have coached hundreds of managers on how to use that position results description, and these managers were able to make better hiring decisions as a result of it, then I can prove that that statement is true. So get a better, a, a more tangible, um, purposeful statement. I mean, when, when I say a statement like a sentence with a, with an, with, uh, with a, a noun and verb and adjectives and adverbs versus the abbreviated bullet point that a lot of people use, if you do that, especially if you're one of the energetic speakers, you'll, you'll have a much better delivery. And you don't have to remember as much, by the way. It makes it much easier now for you to come up with content where you don't have to rely on your notes if you have, it, if you have a, a really well-developed uh, bullet point. All right, the third thing, third tip for the energetic speaker is you want to insert stories and examples from each and every for each and every bullet point. So basically you want to put tons of examples and stories in there. And if you were listening to the in, to the analytical presentation that I did last week, you'll you'll kind of realize that hey, this was number 1 on theirs. And by the way, this will be somewhere in the top 5 things that you can do for each one of the four because the stories and examples are really key to helping us be adaptable and relatable to to every single um, presentation style, so every every audience member, every audience member will love stories. So just like the analytical and um, and the other two, they, they, a good story and example, they had they had quality details. They make the presentation more interesting for the audience. It, it, and the great thing about the energetic speaker, by the way, is that he or she is often a fantastic and fun storyteller. They tell great, fantastic stories. So when this speaker gets away from 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 um, from giving 142 bullet points and they're able to just focus on a few key concepts, they're going to come up with great stories and examples to 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 fill in those gaps. And it makes the presentation much more interesting for everybody. So so uh, so fill in the the content with great stories and examples. Um, number four, tip number four is you want to ask open-ended audience participation questions. The the energetic speaker will use lots of interaction in his or her speeches, and so the but just so you know, some 
interactions, some questions especially that we that we ask the audience work really well in some situations and not so well in others. And and other types of questions, you know, work well all the time and some work never, you know. So so um, so things that you want to keep in mind uh, if you're the energetic speaker is that typically the yes or no questions or rhetorical question, those questions where you're asking for a show of hands or something like that, or you're asking a question that everybody knows the answer to and a lot of times they don't really respond, those typically will not give you the best type of interaction because if you're just asking for a show of hands, that's the only interaction you're going to get. You're not going to get them to give you any feedback. And if you're asking a rhetorical question, you may get no response. And so as a result, it's taking away your natural strength of being interactive with, with your audience. So you'll typically get a much better result if you ask what we call open-ended audience participation questions. And by the way, if you if you, um, if you you haven't done this before and, and if you're kind of new to the podcast, one of the uh, examples that we did or one of the sessions that we did uh, way back um, a few months ago anyway is called Nine Reliable Ways to Add Audience Participation. And if you haven't heard that and you want to, just go to uh, fearlesspresentations.com and just type in nine reliable ways to add audience participation. Type that into the search bar and you'll find it real quick. You can actually, you could probably just type that into Google and it'll, and it'll come up. Uh, or if you're if you're listening on iTunes, you can kind of scan down to you find that particular that particular session. But we give lots of, of tips on how to do that. Um, a real easy tip though, just to just so you don't have to listen to the whole podcast if you're not really interested, is if you have that really nice bullet point that that we created earlier you can pretty much just alter that a little bit and change it into an audience participation question into a, an open-ended question for your audience so like the the original statement that we had was a detailed position result description can be used as a guide to help you ask the right questions during the interview process so you just you basically ask that statement instead of telling it. So it might sound something like, in what ways would having a pre-written positions results description be helpful when you're interviewing job candidates? And just let them answer it. Now let the audience answer it and they'll kind of tell you why that's important. So so it makes it that'll get you a lot more a lot better participation and you'll get more people to respond and and you can you can add much more content, much more credible content to your presentation using the stuff that's coming from the audience. And then the last the last little tip that we're going to cover for the energetic speaker is you want to use purposeful gestures and use your natural energy. So energetic speakers have a natural energy. And so if, they, if you have that, you definitely want to use it. Get out from behind the lectern. Get away from your notes. Uh, you're not going to need them anyway, especially if you're designing your presentation the way that we're talking about doing here, getting good bullet points and using stories and examples. The, the, the more you're away from your notes, you're, you, the better presenter you're going to be. Um, you just need to make your present your uh, gestures more purposeful. So use your hands when you need to use them. Otherwise, just drop them down by your side. And that way, when you make your next gesture, you'll show more energy and power. So um, you, if you and by the way, if you focus on the audience, if you're if you're really into the audience and you want very deeply for each person in your audience to understand and remember your speech, then you're automatically going to do a lot of this stuff. You're automatically going to make great eye contact. You're automatically going to replace the pacing that's kind of natural with the energetic speaker with uh, purposeful movement. You'll start stepping toward the people in your audience making and when you make your statements and looking at one side of the audience and step back and then move toward the the other side of the audience those kind of things will happen really naturally if you're focused on what the audience wants so um 
So don't don't force it. Don't force you know those changes in the way that you're moving. Just let it come naturally by by the way that you're preparing your presentation. So so okay. So with all that being said, what happens if I am of a different presentation style? I'm not an energetic speaker. I'm an analytical, or I, I'm not an energetic speaker. I'm an authoritative, or I'm not an energetic speaker. I'm an empathetic. And I'm speaking to a an audience that is highly energetic. So, so I might be speaking at a um, trying to think like a like a sales convention, or I might be speaking at a at a, um, a, a, a an audience with a ton of motivational speakers in it, or something like that. So, if I if that if that's the case, in a nutshell, if you're the presenter and that's not your natural presentation style, that's not your natural strength, then you have to kick it up a notch. So you you have to kick up your energy just a little bit. The energetic audience wants to have fun. They want to be entertained. They want content. But if you're boring, they're never going to ask you back. So talk fast, add lots of stories, insert some humor, and really get creative. Show Show them something that they weren't expecting. And if you do that... They're absolutely, absolutely going to love your delivery. So thanks for being a part of the Fearless Presentations podcast. Uh, next week, we'll cover uh, the, uh, we'll, the one of the other two uh, characteristics, one of the other two presentation styles that we haven't covered yet. Uh, keep coming back, though, because the more understanding that you have about each one of these styles, the more you can take your natural style and make it even more impactful for, for a larger audience. So we'll see you next week on the Fearless Presentations podcast. Subscribe to this podcast for new public speaking secrets each week.